0: Life, where it's uh, it's okay to talk about certain things, topics that would normally be taboo, okay, uh, become okay in a different season of the year. In January to February, it's okay to talk about New Year's resolutions and things of that nature. But if you talked about a New Year New Year resolution in about July, people think you're crackers. Uh, in June and August, it's okay to talk about money because everyone else is talking about money. Like it's tax time, it's the end of the financial year, and it's okay to talk about money. But then there's also Christmas and Easter, where it's okay to talk about God because of his birth and his death at those times in the year. And uh, today, I, I just want to give us some encouragement in a roundabout talking about Jesus at Christmas time. So when someone comes up to you and says, what are you doing for Christmas? We can have a ready answer for them. And, uh, and this is the, the, the theme or the, the premise behind this morning's message. Uh, to ask like maybe uh, a simple question like, what does Christmas mean to you? So what does Christmas mean to you? For some it's gifts and family, some it's food, it's holidays, it's time out. Christmas can mean so much to so many different people. Uh, and they're the usual answers. However, this morning I want to take a little bit of a different tack in how we may like to answer that question this year. And the text I'm going to be using is Luke chapter, one, uh, Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 7 and it says this. who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. I want you to say with me, there was no room for Jesus. There was no room for Jesus. There was no room at the inn for Jesus. So Jesus isn't born in a palace. He's not born in a motel. He's born in a stable with a heap of other smelly, noisy animals. Sounds a lot like church, doesn't it? (laughs) Think about this. (laughs) Think about this. This is the eternal God, the Son of God, the promised Messiah. This event had been predicted had been studied and anticipated for literally thousands of years. There'd been all kinds of predictions and prophecies and advance notices of Jesus' forthcoming time that he'd come to the earth. This birth actually would split history between A.D. and B.C. So this is the most important event in history. Yet when God does actually show up, and he sends the Messiah, and there's no room for him to be born, they, they just didn't make room for him. And before we get too harsh and, and critical of the innkeeper, can I say, at times we all do this. There, sometimes there's just no room for Jesus in our lives, and, and for, for whatever reason, he's, he's crowded out of our lives. You do it, I do this from time to time, and our culture does it as well. We just make no room for Jesus. And systematically, you'll see over the last 40 to 50 years that we've been taking Jesus out more and more from the, 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 what's normal in our, in our culture. And Jesus has been taken out of the motel room. It's now uncommon for you to find a Bible in your motel room because the Gideon's Bible has been removed. It's no longer culturally acceptable to have a Gideon's Bible in your motel room. Uh, jesus is out of the workplace now you're not allowed to talk about jesus in your workplace Uh, you're not allowed to even have jesus in the shopping centers because you might offend someone because you're talking about jesus in that place and even today jesus the, the the reason for the season he's not that anymore the reason for the season now becomes about holidays and and partying and and different things of that nature uh Jesus is not even allowed to celebrate his own birthday because now it's Xmas, it's not Christmas. We've taken Christ out of Christmas. So, what I want to talk about is as a, a culture, us bringing Jesus back in. And I, I just want to ask three questions this morning. Just three simple questions. First one is, why don't we make room for Jesus? Second is, why should we make room for Jesus? And the third question is, how do we make room for Jesus? So the first sort of thing that we we need to understand is that we don't make room for Jesus in our lives for the same reasons that the innkeeper didn't. We need to realize that our heart is like an inn. It's like a residence, if you like. In our heart, there are many different rooms. We we compartmentalize our, our hearts, our lives, to a large extent. We have a family room in our heart. And that's where we give time to our family. We have a work room in our heart. That's where we do our work interests for God. We have a dining room for a lot of people. That's a really big room. We have a garage in our heart where we pile up the rubbish and the stuff of our lives. And if we're going to invite Jesus into our heart, then we've got to make room in our heart, just like the innkeeper needed to make room in his life for Jesus as well. So the first question we're going to ask is why don't we have room in our heart for Jesus today? Number one, we simply don't pay attention. We simply don't pay attention. Now I'm really bad at this. This is this is like a like self transparent, open, honest time that I'm going to share with you right now. But there are times when I am reading a book. I am reading a book. There might be something on television but I'm reading my book. And Jane might say to me, wow, did you see that? And I'll look up from my book and I'll say, "Ah, nope, I was reading my book. I wasn't paying attention. Sometimes, like I'm reading my book and Jane will be saying something to me, but because I'm reading my book, I'm not paying attention. And she's asked me a question and there's this pregnant pause where I know that I'm supposed to say something and I've got a 50-50 shot at getting it right. And I'm, I'm willing to take the shot. I don't know, there's some guys here, you might be the same. There might be some girls here, you might be the same way as well. I've got to tell you, 50% of the time I get it right. I've got no clue what the question was, but I'm pretty sure I had a good shot, I got the right answer. So we simply don't pay attention. That's the, that's the way we live in life. Sometimes we just go through life and we're just not paying attention. We fill our lives with... Stuff. Here's a really profound truth. Okay, if you're taking notes this morning, you need to write this truth down. Okay? Stuff multiplies. Did you know that? Stuff multiplies. My carport has stuff that multiplies. It's not a place where I store my car, it's a place I store my stuff. And my stuff multiplies. Right now, there's a drawer in my desk in my study at home, and there is stuff that's multiplying as I speak. You've probably got the same sort of a drawer. You might have the same sort of carport that I do. I know that stuff multiplies. It just does. And that's a parable of life for us all. We keep adding more and more into our hearts and into our lives and our heart was made for God. That's the purpose of our heart. It hasn't been made to hold all this extra junk that we have and we cram in there, uh, into our lives. We overfill our lives and, and the results can be tragic. Why? Because then we don't have room for what God wants to put into our life because our life is already filled with the things of this world, the things that, stuff that we accumulate in life. Before we were born, God planned the gifts that he wants to give to us. Relational gifts, emotional gifts, spiritual gifts. We have financial gifts, health gifts, career gifts. God wants to give us those things. Before we were born, he wanted to make sure that we had that. Because God made us for a purpose. He made us for a purpose. God has never made anything where there wasn't a purpose that he created stuff for. But here's the catch. We can miss it. God doesn't force us to follow His plan. We can go with His plan and His purpose and we get all the gifts that He's planned during our lifetime or we can throw it away. We can say, thank you God, but I think I've got this covered. I'm going to go on my own. Well, how's that turning out for you? How's that working out for you right now? It says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the unspiritual person has no room. Say that. There's no room no room. The unspiritual person has no room for the gifts of God's Spirit. To him, they're folly. He can't even recognize them. See, Jesus describes sometimes our kind of life. We overfill our lives, we overspend our budget, we overestimate our strengths and all of these things and we we walk around tired all the time. Mark chapter 4 verse 19 says this, they're overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get done. And, and, and they're stressed and, and, and their stress strangles what they heard and, and nothing comes of it. Does that sound familiar to anybody this morning? Does that describe perhaps a portion of your life at times? We can also fill our life with good things. Don't get me wrong. We can fill our life with good things, really good things, and still not have any time for God. We can go to church six days a week, be involved in ministry all the time, and we're busy, so busy working for God that we have no room to be with God. Sometimes we just got to back the pressure off a bit and start to think about, what am I doing here? Am I, am I spending time with God? Am I spending time with Father? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 14 says, Make sure that you don't become so full. In other words, that our life is so crammed up that there's no room. So it says, make sure that you don't become so full. You're so full of yourself and your things that you forget God. Let's take time to think about touching base with God not doing stuff for God all the time. There needs to be balance in that, and I understand that. See, we won't pay attention when God's around and we crowd our lives with so many other things, even good things, that we don't have any time for God. We weren't made to be disconnected from God. We don't have any power in life when we're disconnected from God. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but when there's a power failure, all of your electrical appliances suddenly become obsolete. Your kettle is no longer of any use apart from being a good boat anchor. Maybe. The, the, the toaster is no longer good for anything apart from just displaying breadcrumbs. When we're disconnected from the power, it's pointless having those kinds of appliances. And it's exactly the same thing when we're with God. If we're disconnected from God, the power for life disappears. It's gone. We need to be connected with God. We need to be plugged into the source so that we can live and live the kind of life that God wants us to live. Those things can't fulfill our purpose unless we are connected to the power. We can't fulfill our purpose unless we're plugged into God who gives us that kind of power. <coughs> See, that's, that's all the, the bad news. you know. So what's the good news? Well, I'm glad you've asked. <clears throat> See, the second thing that we need to understand is the question, why should we make room for Jesus in our lives? Why should we make room for Jesus in our lives? <coughs> well there's a couple of benefits and they're profound benefits there's probably heaps of benefits and you could think of better ones that I could probably think of but I'm up here and I've got these ones so I'm going to work with this so the first benefit really is to get to know our creator God to get to know our creator our saviour that's why that's why we should make room for Jesus in our lives John 17 verse 3 out of the message bible said this is the real and eternal life that they know you the one and only true god and jesus christ whom you sent god didn't just create us he saves us and the reason he came at christmas is to die at easter for all of our sins it's okay to talk about jesus at christmas it's okay to talk about him see what I've learned is that we've all messed up. I don't measure up to my own standards of trying to live for God, much less God's standards for my life. I I, I know that we've all sinned. We've made mistakes. We have faults, flaws. We have bloopers in life. We we have flaws and, and everything else. We have sins. I want us to know, not only know our Creator, but I want us to know our Savior too. It's great to know our Creator, but it's great to know as Saviour as well. Why? Well, here's why. See, heaven is a perfect place. There's no sorrow. There's no sadness. There's no sickness. It is perfection. It's perfection. Heaven is perfection. We may think that the world is cool, but I want to tell you, heaven is unbelievable. Heaven is going to be, right now is, but when we get there, it is absolutely unbelievable heaven is perfect however i'm not and i would probably suggest that you aren't either so heaven is perfect so if if god lets imperfect people into heaven it's not going to be a perfect place anymore If God lets us into heaven, all of us, then it's going to take with it all of our lusts, our ego, our betrayals, our rejections, our murders, our rapes, everything. Heaven would be no better than earth. So God came up with a Jesus plan. He said, I'm going to send my son Jesus and he's going to live a perfect life in your place. He's going to die for all of your sins so you don't have to pay for them yourself. They've all been paid off. Then you get to, uh, to, to go scot-free into heaven by just trusting and believing in the finished work of Christ. That's how we get to heaven. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world, that's, that's you and me, just, just heads up, that he gave his one and only son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in him, whoever means anyone, it's not about age or gender or background or money or talent, it's about believing and whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but shall have eternal life. I reckon that's a good deal. I reckon that's a good deal. We get to become a part of God's family and a family that lasts forever. John chapter 1, verses 11 to 12 says this, He, meaning Jesus, came into the world which belonged to Him. Remember, He made it, so we all belong to, to Jesus anyway. Right? So, but those who were His did not receive Him. In other words, they had no room in their world for Him. And they didn't welcome Him. But to those who did receive Him and welcome Him, who come into the rooms of my heart. We say, God, come into the rooms of my heart. all of the rooms, the bathroom, the bedroom, the living room. So to those who did receive Him and welcome Him, He gave the privilege and the power to become the children of God because they believed in His name. That's how we become a child of God. That's how we get to go to heaven and spend eternity with God the Father. It's in that way that we have access to the Father. But you might say, well, wait a minute. Uh, Isn't God the Father of everyone? No, He's not. No, He's not. God created everybody and loves everybody and has a purpose for everybody. But God is only the Father of those who choose to become a part of His family by meeting the family requirements, which are a belief in the Son that He sent at Christmas that's how he comes becomes our father i not only get to be a part of god's family i get to know the creator and savior which is huge but there's other benefits here and now on earth see the second benefit of becoming uh, like making more room in my life for jesus is that i get to enjoy a life of purpose peace and power i get to enjoy a life of purpose peace and power because my conviction is that we were built for a life, we were created for a life of significance, not just success. See, success becomes about me, what I achieve, what I get to do, how far on the corporate ladder that I can climb. But significance is living my life for someone else. Significance means making a difference in someone else's life. That's what I believe that God has created us to do not just to be successful, but to have a life of significance. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, the smallness that you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. So what's the answer to that? Well, we make room for Jesus. He says, open up your lives, live openly and expansively. In other words, Stop living for ourselves, but start to live for the people in and around about us. The people that we meet on a day to day basis as we walk through our life during the week. We've got to make a a, a difference in their lives. Life's not all about me, life is about what Jesus can do through me in the lives of other people around about us. Don't be closed minded. Don't shut God out of our lives. Be open minded, expansive. Our life is not small, but the way we live can sometimes be small. Our life is extremely significant. It's so significant that God cared enough for it to, to come to the earth at Christmas to live a perfect life, then die on the cross for you and for me. If we want to know how much we matter to God, we need to look at Jesus hanging on the cross. And he says, this is how much you matter to me. You matter so much that I'd rather die than live without you. I love you so much it hurts. That's how much God matters loves us, that's how significant we are to God. We matter to him so much. But we're living sometimes in such a tiny and a small insignificant way because we've stuffed the rooms of our heart with stuff that's not going to really matter in the long run. Not only does God give us a new sense of purpose when we invite Jesus to take over the rooms of the inn of our life, but we get a new sense, wait for it, of peace. We get a a greater sense of peace. Not only does God have a, a life of significance for us, but there's a peace that comes. In John 14, 27, it says, Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, and that gift is peace of mind and heart. The peace I give you isn't fragile like the world gives. What kind of peace does the world give? It's temporary and totally circumstantial. You see, it's good. uh, I've got this great sense of peace when I've got a a job. But if I lose my job, then I lose my peace. God's not like that. See, it's circumstantial in that when I've got money, I've got a good sense of peace. But when I don't have any money, I lose my sense of peace. That's the sort of peace that the world can give to us. But that's not the God kind of peace. Jesus says, I don't want to to give you that kind of peace. Rather, I want to give you a peace that passes understanding. What does that even mean? I don't know about you. I've often wondered that. What is getting a peace beyond understanding? It means that we have a peace that when there's no reason visibly or physically, why we are still at peace. There's something you just can't explain. Everything's in chaos around you. There's waves crashing in your, on your boat and you find the capacity to sleep in the midst of a storm. That's a peace that surpasses understanding. Jesus says, I'm going to give you a peace that, so that you won't be troubled or afraid. He says He'll give us a peace of mind. We won't be troubled. We're we're not going to be afraid in those moments. Whatever we worry about reveals the rooms in our heart that we haven't invited Jesus into just yet. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, God does not give us a spirit of fear. God does not give us a spirit that makes us afraid or fearful. Instead, He gives us the spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. Whenever Jesus walks into a room, he fills that room with peace. What area of our lives haven't we yielded or invited Jesus to come into so that we experience that peace in that room? Have you invited maybe Jesus into the various areas where you're concerned about your kids? Maybe you're concerned about your job. Maybe you're concerned about your relationships. Maybe you're concerned about your health or your finance. Have you invited Jesus into those rooms? Have you invited him to say, Lord, I've tried to keep this door closed on you. I've tried to do it on my own. I've tried to walk this this road my way, but it's not working. And I have no peace in this moment. Lord, I'm just going to open this door up And I'm inviting you in. This is the mess that's in this room. This stuff just keeps multiplying. I don't know how it happens, but it just does. Lord, would you come into this room and bring your peace into this moment? See, any room that Jesus enters, he fills with his peace. God gives us the spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. See, as as I wrap this up this morning... The fact that the innkeeper didn't make room for Jesus didn't stop Jesus from being born. Our actions don't stop God. He has his plan in history. When the innkeeper said that there was no room, it didn't hurt God. It just hurt the innkeeper. He missed the biggest blessing of his life. He missed the privilege Of housing the Son of God at his birth. What a marketing opportunity he missed. Come and stay in the Jesus room. $250.99 per night. We'll even chuck in the free buffet. What an opportunity that he missed. There was no room in his inn. It didn't hurt Jesus. Jesus was still born, as in, not stillborn. He was, you know what I mean. My brain went somewhere there that just like you know, took the moment. But that's cool. It didn't stop Jesus from being born. It only hurt the innkeeper. The same thing is true with us. We may say. I'm not going to open up my heart to God. Or I'm just going to give God one room in my heart. It's the Sunday room. I'm going to give God my Sunday room. Hang on. No, I won't give him that. I'll give him the Christmas room. Or I'll give him the Easter room. No, but I'll tell you now, I'm not giving him my sports room. Okay. I love my sports and I'm not giving Jesus my sports room. I'm not going to give him my family room. I'm keeping those to myself. Those are all areas, I want to tell you, that God can't come in and bring his peace. Those are all areas where God can't come in and bless our lives. We actually prevent God from coming in and touching our lives in totality. And we're not hurting God by shutting him out of our life in those areas. The only person that gets hurt when we close off our lives in those areas, we keep parts of our lives separate from God, is ourself. We only hurt ourselves in those moments. I want to say to you this morning this, that as someone who cares about you, as a friend and as your pastor, if I could give you any gift this Christmas, it would be that I would ask you to figure out what matters most in your life. It isn't about getting more money or becoming famous or even having fun. There's nothing wrong with those things. But that's not what matters. It's about making room in our lives to get to know the Creator and the Savior of our lives who loves us and build a relationship with Him that goes into and lasts for eternity. So the, four, so the third question I want to ask us this morning is How do? how do I make room for Jesus in my life? How do I make room for Him in my heart? I want to tell you this morning that God made it so simple that nobody could say that this is too hard to understand. A child can understand this. A a, a senior citizen can understand this. Anybody can understand this. And it involves just three words. Invite him in. That's how we make room for Jesus in our lives. Just invite him in. Just invite Him in. Just invite Him in. You say, that's it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. This this is not like rocket science. This is not brain surgery. It's it's really simple. We just open the door and say, okay, God, you made me, you saved me, you love me. I want to open up my life to you right now. See, Revelation 3.20 says... And this is Jesus talking. He says, listen, I'm standing and I'm knocking at your door. It's not his door. It's our door that he's knocking on. It's the door of our heart that Jesus is knocking on. It's not his door. It's not heaven's door. It's not the door next door. It's your door. And if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will eat together. If there's no room for Jesus in our hearts, then we've got to do what the innkeeper should have done. You've got to kick someone out. You've got to kick something out. You've got to make room somewhere. You need a garage sale or something. You you need to get rid of some junk to make room for Jesus in our lives. If only the innkeeper had, had thought about who it was that was right before him the creator and the saviour of the entire world for all of eternity. If only the innkeeper had known, I would suggest that there would have been some families that might have got kicked out to make room for Jesus at the inn. See, Psalm 37 verse 6 says this, Open up before God, keep nothing back, and he'll do whatever needs to be done. And he'll do whatever needs to be done. You see, this is Christmas. And it's okay to talk about Jesus at Christmas. So when someone comes to you and says to you, and you're involved maybe in a conversation with a colleague at work, or someone uh, that you're living next door to, you just see you're, you're watering your gardens out the front, or whatever. And they say to you, what are you doing for Christmas? You can say, you know what? I've thought about that question. You know what? This may sound really strange to you, but you know the thing that we're doing for Christmas? We're making more room for Jesus. That's what we're doing this Christmas. We're making more room for Jesus. Who knows where that conversation will go? But it might just lead to someone getting saved. It might just lead to you getting a shot of faith so big and so large that when that person kneels down on their front lawn to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior because you had the courage to say, this is what I'm doing at Christmas. I'm making more room for Jesus because I know that Jesus is my Creator and He's my Savior and without Him, my life would be nothing. Would you like to know more about Jesus? Would you like to make room in your life for Jesus it's Christmas and it's okay to talk about Jesus at Christmas let's stand just if I could have every head bowed and eyes closed I know that there are likely people here this morning that you know I've probably punched some buttons that there are some areas of your life that you're saying you know what God I'm I'm just that, that room's closed right now it might be something that's happened in your history something that's really really hurtful and painful for you and it's taking you a long time to even start to consider maybe letting Jesus into that room I know what that's like I lost my mum to suicide when I was 14 I know what it's like to think that she did that because she hated me and I'd done something wrong perhaps maybe I should have been a better kid I know what that's like I know that that hurts I was raped at 15 I know what it's like to suffer shame and guilt thinking that you did something that deserved that that's not true I know that what what room in your world is closed to him what room do you sense this subtle Knock on the door of your heart this morning? Is there something that's stopping you from answering the door? And you're saying, Who's there? And, and Jesus is saying, Hey, it's me. And he's saying, Just wanted to say, if you're ready, you can open this door and I will come in and we'll do some stuff together. This morning, I. It's up to you how you respond. And this is simply saying, hey, God, my life right now, I want to invite you into these rooms, into this room perhaps. Lord, would you come in this morning? Would you bring your peace? Would you bring, Lord God, a sense of how much you think of me, the significance that I am to you and what you put inside of me? Help me to see that. Help me to realize that. Help me to walk in that. Maybe you you don't even know Jesus. You wouldn't recognize his voice. But you know that there's someone knocking on your door this morning. There's someone knocking on the heart of your door, door of your heart. And you simply say, Lord, if that's you, would you come in and be my Lord and be my Savior? Would you come in? And help me to walk in a newness of life that I've never had before. Or maybe that I've walked away from. But whatever it is this morning, I would ask you to do some business with God. To say, Lord, come. Make yourself known to me. Make yourself real to me. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Help me to see you. Help me to hear you. Help me to relinquish those areas of my life to you this morning. Father, I thank you for your people today. I thank you that there are doors opening across this room this morning. Maybe as people listen to this podcast, Lord, would you touch them in a powerful way this morning? Would you make your love known to them and real to them? Father, I thank you for them. Father, thank you for them. Touch them, fill them, and overflow them this morning. In the wonderful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.